Hello, welcome to the bonfire. I'm your host today, Mac Levin, and I'm here interviewing Oliver Moscow. Hi, this is Mac Levin, and you're listening to the bonfire. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> well, my name is Oliver. Anyway, yes. All right. We'll figure this out in post. It's <laughs> <laughs> always awkward. Okay, so the first topic I kind of want to get into is the idea of life after death. What What are your thoughts on that whole? Uh, uh, from a purely um, because I know your logistical standpoint, I'm like we just go black, and there's nothing after that. But uh, I don't. I'm not really sure. I like the idea of reincarnation a lot. After death. I feel like it's not that important, honestly. Really? I think it's very important. I think if you're a person who really can't function without the idea of a safety net, like, uh-huh. you, fr- you you get paralyzed with fear, and if you're one of those people and you kind of realize that this is your one and only shot at life, yeah. I feel like that can be a very terrifying thought to a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I think that is, that's, that's definitely valid, but at the same time, at the same time, like, I feel like the belief that, oh, the entire point of this world is to get to a better place than the next world is sort of like, okay, well, then, maybe that's Then why am I doing a good job here? Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I, I'm more subscribed to the belief that this is the world we live in, and the future after is very, it's very, like, I mean, we have no clue what it is. No one knows. And exactly. so, that's the kind of thing where it's like, if you were... I think, well, I know you're religious because I went to your bar mitzvah. Oh, yes. Uh, gr- great bar mitzvah. You Bowl- liked it. It's Bowl- very, it bowling, was, was, bowling was great. Did you go to the um, actual service, though? Yes, I did. It was three hours long. My mom and dad made a rule when I was 10 that no matter what party I went to, if there was a service required, I had to go to the service in order to go to the party. Mm. Here's the thing about going to a bar mitzvah, Okay. No one's going to be offended. Like, I'm standing there at my bar mitzvah. I do not care at all if you leave in the middle. I wish I would leave in the middle. If you know how many religious services that I have left in the middle of, it is perfectly acceptable. You do not have to torture yourself for three hours listening to some old men speak another language that you don't ex- like. Uh, I vividly remember at every bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah I've ever been to, Staring up at the skylight and imagining <laughs> me and my friends having a nerf battle on the roof. Mm. You do this thing. Oh god, I have so many synagogue stories. There's a lot of things you can do. One thing, like you can do, is like you go in the book and like you open it to a page and guess what page it's gonna be. Mm. But like, I don't know. Me and my friends, like at religious school, right? We went for a while, and uh, I mean. Honestly, I like services, right? It's mm-hmm. fun. But, like, I don't feel like you should expect kids to stay there the whole time. So, <laughs> I think, so, for me, religion is kind of, I'm not a religious person. My, my grandmother is. For me, religion, the idea that believing that there's a higher power than you or that there's someone who controls your fate. 
I don't like that idea because the way I like to view the world is that there's no outcome that I can't change. Meaning, like, if I don't like something that's going to happen to me, I can change it. And that really helps me... That helps me come to grips with the world as I know it. Like, mm-hmm. it helps me process stuff like this where, it's, where like, let's say I feel like I'm going to be screwed. It's like, I don't have to be screwed by this situation. I can get out of it. I think of fate in a very uh, actually scientific kind of way. I think that everybody is born with different sets of traits and, like, everybody's mind works in a different way. So in a sense the traits you're born with and the way your mind works sort of um, influences the way you're going to live your life So in a way. But I don't believe that there is some, like, you know, specific guideline for people that is going to happen no matter what in your life. So let's, let's pretend for a minute that the nature versus nurture debate was settled and it's all nature, right? Mm-hmm. Like, your DNA determines your entire personality yeah. or whatever. So, like, basically, there's a theoretical limit to the amount of data that can be stored on DNA, right? Yeah. There, yeah. Like, and because that's a limited quantity, there's a limited amount of combinations that can occur. That limit could be impossibly high, like, a number that you and I couldn't even comprehend how many possible options but there are a limited amount of options, and so that kind of brings validity to the idea of personality types, I feel like. Yeah. I just feel like the whole thing with personality types is that we've tried to get way too specific with it, and like, we've divided the entirety of the human psyche into 12 possible mm-hmm. combinations, and so. Yeah, I think that's, I think, I think everybody is just very different. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I mean, I think you're, I think, admit this might be a little bit off topic, but, like, oh, there is I no saw, topic. <laughs> human brains, like, I think the way it developed, like, when you're a child, your brain's, like, small, right? Yeah. And it grows bigger, so you learn more. So you start with very basic functionality. So you're saying it's like a hard drive that's growing. Yeah, exactly. What I'm saying is that obviously your environment impacts the way you learn. Yeah. Because your brain doesn't start out. You don't start out and knowing everything as adult. That's the par- process of growing up. And your environment has a huge impact on that. But I also think that I am never going to be doing the same things as you do. Yeah. And that is influenced by a billion different factors, including environmental factors. But I also feel like like, if you wrote an equation for it, it would be miles, miles long. Yeah. If we go back to the idea of fate, I feel like everybody's fate is different in a sense just based on the factors that we're born with that are out of our control. Mm. So you're saying there is an element of your DNA determines your personality, but there's also an element of factors that aren't in your control that are still kind of predetermined in a way yeah but still aren't a process of nature definitely affect the outcome of your life oh 100 percent. yeah i mean like if you grow up if you grow up like uh let's take uh let's take um gross income in a household for example like 
um, a, a big part of growing up as a kid is understanding is like understanding things in terms of survival, right? Mm-hmm. Money equals the amount of survival resources you have in, mm-hmm. in a very basic sense. And so like as a kid, you're like, all right, I need to learn how to do this so I can then market this to then get money to survive. And then you can indirectly relate that to survival. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you grow up without ever needing to even worry or even think about mm-hmm. like, am I going to make it to tomorrow? Yeah. Like you're kind of existing in a vacuum without any point of reference to gauge anything off of. Yeah. I think going back a little bit, I feel like the idea that everybody can determine where they're going to end up in a way you're kind of right in an ideal society, but it's not really the truth. You're going to end up based on the things that you're good at, the things that you like to do. Mm -hmm. It's not like, I'm going to decide to be a neuroscientist, even maybe if it was something I was very passionate about, but I'm not. You could still be absolute dog water at yeah. science. And yeah. like that. You're going to follow the things that interest you. Yeah. And in a way that is determined by the circumstances you're born with. So therefore, fate exists. And the idea that everybody is just, you know, the same and sort of like, you know, you can decide like, okay, I can be anything I want in the world. Sure, yeah, that's true. God isn't making you do something, but he did inscribe inside of you. I'm taking this a little bit religious, based on the religious argument, Mm -hmm. certain parameters for your growth. Hmm. So I actually think it's good for kids to think I can be whatever I want to be Mm -hmm. in life. Oh, I agree, I because there's going to be people that are like born in a circumstance like there's people that are there's so many situations where a child ends up completely different than their parents so like and and you have to be able to think outside of the scopes that you were born with my one of my favorite versions of that story is Lewis Hamilton mm-hmm. who like grew up and just as a kid was like saw a formula one race and was like that's what I want to do. Yeah. And throughout his entire childhood, he went, he had to go to a boarding school in Europe uh-huh. and like throughout his entire childhood, everyone was like, no, you can't do that because you're black. Your, yeah. your family doesn't have a lot of money. Like everyone was saying, you can't do this for various and uh-huh. for various reasons. And he just said, no, no, I can, mm-hmm. I can do this because that's what I want to do. Yeah, and where does that passion come from? Yeah, exactly. And I think that in teaching kids that, like, if you really put in the work and have sure. the drive to do something, you can do it. I completely agree with that. Yeah, I completely agree. Whereas if you tell a kid where it's like, oh, you suck at math, you're never going to be a mathematician, like... No, for sure, yeah. I mean, you might be right, but... <laughs> yeah, you, you, you the kid could like, suck at math, but, like, you could get better. <laughs> also, I feel like it's our responsibility as humans to be like, okay, you're wrong. Like, you have to, like, I feel like, I mean, obviously it's not the same for everyone. It's a really hard thing to do, but being confident in yourself enough where you understand yourself to the extent where you can be like, this person doesn't understand me. You don't understand my values, therefore you cannot make that accurate assumption about me. Hmm. But that's a very hard thing to do. I mean, 
and everybody, I mean, that, that leads to a lot of, I think there's a lot of insecurity about a lot of kids, especially if they're like, I don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up. And they're like, and they're like lost. They have no, you know, sort of drives or ambitions, and that can be really hard. So, for me, I had no, I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do when I was older until mm-hmm. like midway through freshman year until the early sophomore year and like for me I think the best way to determine that is you just lay a bunch of options out on the table and just be like all right or just say okay what do you like to do Mm -hmm. and then so like if I were to ask you what do you like to do and Mm -hmm. you you were to say I like to play the trumpet Mm -hmm. right you would say all right how can we how can we play the trumpet as a career path. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's consistency too. Yeah. It's finding things that you keep on coming back to in a certain, like maybe you're athletic. Like not everybody's athletic. Like some no. people take that as a given. Like I like sports. Okay. Everybody likes sports. Not everybody likes sports. If it's something that like you are passionate about and something that you don't require motivation from other people to do. Yes. It has to be something that if you were put in a room, you would do. Yeah. You had no one was telling you to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think... Alright, let's move on to another topic. Ooh, I have an idea. Like, I feel like this sort of ties into the idea of artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. Because there's this idea that everybody is... That artificial intelligence and um, robots are going to take away jobs from everyone. Which is a fair fair truth but when you come to the fact that people are if people start working based on things that they actually want to do and are actually passionate about um it's sort of like as i feel like that's sort of happening now whereas before you were like you work in a factory and that's what you do like so you know what i mean i think the previous issue to that so that kind of ties into the whole like uh, communism thing where it's like bef- so communism before the modern age where you could have a robot do an entire assembly line on yeah. its own right yeah you had to have a certain amount of people working production jobs mm-hmm. like or else you just couldn't support the population yeah. you know what I mean yeah and so there was a limited amount of there was a limited amount of slots available for people to be like hey I want to make custom salad bowls for a living. So like there was a limited amount of people who could do stuff like that for small quantities because otherwise there wouldn't be enough food, there wouldn't be enough metal or something like that. Whereas now you you have a world where one person can produce enough, um, can produce enough pizza boxes to supply the entire country just by managing an assembly line made of robots. And then the entire line of thinking goes completely different because the world becomes so competitive, you have to be able to differentiate yourself and be able to innovate. So speaking of a competitive world, one of those things I always think about is when you see these new buildings, like these new giant skyscrapers, right? Mm -hmm. They, they take years to build, right? And so each company is coming up with a new skyscraper. We'll be like, we have the latest tech, right? Yeah. And it takes 
five years to build it, uh-huh. per se. The tech that goes into that building, by the time the building's finished, it's already five years old. I know. I, 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 that's, that's like sort of the funny thing. Like if you look at our science building at our yeah. school, it's like, oh, it was this like prestigious, like they made it and it was so cool. And now you look at it and you're like, this is kind of old tech. Like, it's well, not that cool anymore. Well, depending on what part of it you go to. But yeah, like... exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're definitely right, though. Like, you're never going to have a building with a... And so that kind of brings into the idea of each person's just trying to get ahead of the curve. Like, Mm -hmm. what's going to happen next so I can start doing that now so that by the time it happens, I'm already done. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. And so then you have all these... Yeah, you can't build the skyscraper with the newest technology. You have to build the skyscraper with the future technology. You You have to build the skyscraper with the technology of five years in the future in mind. Yes. And so... It, you and so that kind of creates certain things where it's like, well, that's weird. How did how did someone come up with that plan? Like, um, like there's a bunch of buildings with really weird shapes or weird, mm-hmm. like the inn, right? Mm-hmm. There's tons of weird rooms and yeah. little nooks and crannies where it's like, who, like, <laughs> if I was an architect, what would my thought process? What would my thought process have had to have been to come to this conclusion? Mm-hmm. And then you think about it, and it's like, well, this guy was thinking about, like, all right, here's what's happening now. This is going to take five years to make this. What's going to happen in five years, and how can I be there? And then what's going to happen in the next 20 years while this building's still in service, and how can I make it still viable for that, too? Yeah, I feel like, on the other hand of that, there's some things that always stay true. If you're if you're from an architect standpoint and you're more design focused, art focused, what people like if I'm creating a song, I don't have to worry about those kind of things. So like there's like an interplay. You want to, you need to make your building like I guess like as appealing as it can to be a person and then that's also as expandable as possible, I guess. So you need something that you and I see the world in a very different way. Yes, you're you're more of an artist, I feel like, right? Yeah. I, I, I view the world in a very concrete mm-hmm. way. I, I'm, I'm starting to be an engineer. Like, mm-hmm. that's just yeah. how I view the world. And so, like, stuff like that, where, like, well, you might see a beautiful building. I would see, like, I would see a ton of scaffolding and be like, yeah. <laughs> that's, oh, really? That's yeah. really impressive how they got up there. <laughs> how did they do that? <laughs> Or like, um, or have you ever watched a movie and been like, oh my God, the CGI is awful, right? Yeah. Like watching a movie from like 2008. Yeah. Like I watched Mummy with my dad like a month ago. Yeah. And like, he was like, oh, the CGI is awful. I'm like, the worst thing about studying engineering is that I now know how to do CGI and animations like that. And I can tell you as awful as that is, it would take me eight years to <laughs> I know. I know it's 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 absolutely fine. Like, I think that's true. That's very true. I look at the world and more like, okay, I mean, how does that make me feel? Yeah. As as a as a quantification of its worth. Yeah. And so like it's weird where it's like you can look back at like tech like let's look at let's think about like old computers, right? Mm-hmm. Old MacBooks. Like we look back on that, it's like, yo, that's stupid. Why, why would you ever do that? 
Or like, yeah. who would use this? It's so awful and it makes yeah. no sense. And then you look back on it, and then you've got to think about it from like their perspective. This was the new thing. This was yeah. the height of technology. Like, this was as far as humans could possibly go. Yeah. And so like, I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, that, that computer will be iconic forever. Yeah. From a design standpoint, and that's the yeah. way I think of it. I'm like, okay, well, the tech you have, I it's mean, god awful, but it looks cool. <laughs> yeah, but that 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 is your brand forever. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. you're you're forever gonna be the first Mac. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. Um. Okay. So, how do you balance being? I'm like. I know you might not be the best athlete ever, but like as as someone who goes to the school, you have to be at least some kind of an athlete. Mm -hmm. Does any of that competitive mentality carry over to music and art in that way? Oh, competitiveness. Um, I guess I'm not the most competitive person because I focus more not like what. I really want to win, I really want to win, I really want to make something good. I really want to be the best tennis player I can. I really want to, you know, from a self-improvement standpoint, not from a self-gratification standpoint. And I think it transfers over pretty well. I mean, I, I get a lot of joy in like being competitive, obviously, but especially when it comes to art. One thing is like, if I, I, want, to, I want to do music, right? I hate the idea of doing music for money. Why? Because I feel like that, once you start thinking about, oh, I need money for this, your art becomes, your, your, it's gonna, it, 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 it impacts what you're able to make. Yeah, so, okay, so then how do you feel about artists buying songs from each other and then reproducing that song as their own? In a way? Oh, I think that the artists and just, I think, I think that the industry is pretty toxic. I think that there's so many people that, I mean, it's obviously so commercialized. Yeah. And I'm like, as an artist, I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. What are you doing? If you're doing it in a way that's like, okay, you're making, you have a purpose with that. I, I don't have anything against sampling other people's songs. Yeah. I think that I do, what I do hate is when you have massive artists, Drake's, you know, Travis. Yeah, Drake writes none of his own songs. They have, I mean, you look in the Spotify credits, look at the Spotify credits for any of the top 50 songs. There's like 10 songwriters. I'm like, am I listening to someone's music or am I listening to some formula that has been created in order to make this song the biggest, most money-making song ever? And you know what I mean? Uh, I so... I don't know if you ever watched this show, but on Netflix for a while, I don't know if it's still on there, there was a show called My Baby Series of Vampire. I never saw it. It was like one of my favorite shows as a kid. And um, one of the episodes, they're in a talent show, and like basically the the stereotypical computer nerd of the group comes up and is like, all right, I wrote a song where I made an algorithm that determined all of the hit words from all of the top songs in the past 10 years and put them into all one song. And basically the joke was that it was an awful song, right? Uh -huh. 
But like, I feel like that's kind of what's happening now. Everyone's like, all right, you got to hit on identity. Um, you just, you just got out of break. Like Taylor Swift has like figured out what her formula is to make money. Right. Like every, every album this year in the, every album from her recently has just been like, I broke up with my boyfriend. I'm really sad. I'm going to write a bunch of songs about but it. But on the other hand, I mean, I don't know anything about Taylor Swift mm-hmm. and how she writes music. She writes her songs. Yeah. And if she's, you know, she's writing songs that connect with people and she's becoming successful from them, kudos to her. If she writes all her songs about having a boyfriend <laughs> and breaking up with them, I mean, that's the only thing she wants to write about. You go get that money, like... <laughs> I mean, from an artistic point, I think that's very valid. Mm. When you're not writing your own songs, though, how are you able to release something that is authentic to you? Well, you could identify with it. You don't, it doesn't even have to be authentic to you. Everyone just has to think it is. I mean, if I was covering a song, I would obviously identify with that song and I mean I'm still very musical yeah. but if I have if you have a team of people writing songs for you it's, it's no longer authentic to you and you're no longer saying something really when I write a song like I'm like trying to say something about myself or trying to make someone feel a certain way with the song I make and when I listen to Taylor Swift's music I'm not a big Taylor Swift fan because I don't connect with the music. But if there's people that are connecting with it because they like the music versus they like Taylor Swift as a celebrity, then kudos to her. I don't know. Both I mean, ways. I listen to Ariana Grande. I'm like, um, this is awful. Why am and, I doing this to myself? <laughs> and I see her as a celebrity that does music. Yeah. I hate that. I, yeah, I kind of I kind of see what you're saying, where it's like you have those people who are really famous and then make music to support their uh-huh. fame, and you have people like Dixie D'Amelio who has more like more followers than amazing rock bands <laughs> from the two thousands that I idolize, and her music is shit. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it, it's objectively bad. Yeah, so I it's know what like, you're saying. Uh, that, that's what pisses me off, I think, about the music industry. But I think, going back to your question about, like, competitiveness... Yeah, I mean, do what you can, make the best product you can, make the best... Make something you're proud of, and see... And if, if people... If people don't catch on, well, then, I mean, I guess what you're doing is not working, but... It's really about about your goals. Yeah, it's about... So for you, it's more about... I want to be the best artist that I can be. I don't want to be the artist that makes the most money. Yeah. All right. I want to be the best artist. I want to make the best music I can. And if people like that and really connect with it and I become, like, popular or whatever, famous type thing, I'm like, okay, whatever, that's cool. But if it doesn't happen... I better get concert tickets. (laughs) If it doesn't happen, I'm like, well, I mean, no big deal, because I like the music, Mm -hmm. and I still feel like I've been fulfilling my personal, like, obligation as a musician. Alright, that makes sense. Alright. Bye, everybody.
you know my basket. Oh, yeah, I just took you in mind. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you liked this episode, be sure to check out all our other episodes on Spotify. And if you want to be on the show, email omoscow at sch.org. Thank you.